0: Welcome to the Sea Brilliance Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Nathan Harris, and today we have Asia Funches, a Chicago native with Mississippi roots. Today, Asia shares her story, and we hope that for those listening in, we'll find something new. And so please join us in listening to Asia Funches. So, tell me about yourself.
1: Well, my name is Asia Funches, and I am a city girl with Southern roots. I am from Chicago, born and raised, but I have family in Edwards, Mississippi. And my mom has already instilled those roots in me and through me. And so that is why I believe I'm a city girl with Southern roots.
0: Okay, City Girl, Southern Roots. <laughs> Tell me about how it was, you know, growing up in Chicago. What What's your love for Chicago?
1: I think Chicago is a special place. And particularly summertime in Chicago is where we sign. In wintertime, we a little grumpy because it's cold and not as... Fun. <laughs> when folks visit me in Chicago in the winter, I typically don't know where to take them. But in the summertime, Chicago is cracking. There are festivals, a lot of culture happening downtown and also in the neighborhoods with block club parties. So, growing up, there was a block club party that I was going to be at. I was going to run through the fire hydrant and just experience the fun. Every time I think about opportunities that Chicago offers, summertime is, is definitely the time to talk about whether it is a educational summer camp or just a fun opportunity for children. That's the beauty of living in a city, whereas suburbs and Southern life, you don't have as many of those readily accessible opportunities.
0: I love the the memories uh summertime Chicago, the block parties. You didn't really want to talk about what you doing in the wintertime Chicago. I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> but, no, I think that's beautiful. And I want to go back to you talking about Southern roots. said Mississippi. Everybody knows something about Mississippi. But, you know, do you have any, uh, you know, connection or personal memory to Mississippi with your family there?
1: Of course. My family owns 168 acres of land in Edwards, Mississippi.
0: All right, acreage.
1: Yes, acreage. We are about 30 minutes from Jackson. And in that small town, we have a road. The land is on Belknap Road. And so that name is true and dear to my heart because... My ancestors have been walking on the same land generation after generation. We can trace back four generations.
0: That's powerful.
1: And that is powerful for black communities because not many families can say that they walked on the same land as their ancestors and actually owned it for that many generations to the point where. The original owner of the land signed it with an X because she wasn't literate and didn't have the ability to even sign her signature. But she knew how to meet the folks that connect her and ensure that it stayed in her family.
0: Mm, so what what does that mean for you and your family, knowing that you know that uh, heritage, that legacy was able to be kept? And, you know, what are you doing to making sure that it remains that way, even with you being in Chicago today?
1: I visit Mississippi about once a year, if I miss a year out there the next year. But definitely visiting is something that I enjoy because it's just a reminder, right? We can talk about it. And think about it, but actually being there and sitting on the land, walking the land with our walking stick and seeing the pond is, is grounding. Mm. So that's what I would say I do personally, but through the family I have two nephews and if you talk to them and ask them if they have pets, we don't have pets in Chicago, but they'll respond and say, well, we have horses and cows in Mississippi and that is the connection, right? Keeping it through the generations and instilling it young Mm -hmm. so that it does remain valuable Mm -hmm. because you speak to some families and they've let the land go and lost it to taxes because they don't want to go down or don't feel responsible for it. But the responsibility is in the next generation. So with me, of course, eventually I'll take on the financials of the land as the next step. But for the next generation under me, it's instilling the value. And so I do that with my nephews, as does my mom. And for others outside of my family, I'm constantly connecting people to the land and talking about the land because it's important to me, but it's also important to Black people as a culture. So my family is one thing, but extending it is another. Eventually I'll have a um production about black land and just amplifying the topic. I did my senior thesis on it. And so sharing with others is important to me as well.
0: All right. You know, you heard it first on the Sea Brilliance podcast. Future production on black land coming from this asia Funches, i'm super excited for that but you know tell me or tell us if you want you know a funny story that you know you will commonly hear someone in your family tell about you in that space i got i got mine in south carolina but the spotlight is on you (laughs)
1: on <laughs> uh, me i don't know if i have a funny story i have plenty funny of funny other people on the mm-hmm. land let's see
0: no no talent shows no running in a field or something like that and
1: no i went down to the land i usually go with my mom i went down for the first time by myself my senior year I was I was doing research for my thesis and while it's not funny it was a surreal experience just being able to like truly own my experience there aside from the dependence of my mom and I remember like just driving down Belknap Road because it's, it's like a fork in a row you you can either go left or right once you get to a certain street and right is Belknap Road. And so driving down that road, I always hear uh, something that my grandfather told my mom, which was, don't be driving fast down these streets. You don't know nothing about these curves and hooks. Mm -hmm. And so I was driving pretty fast and it was dark and I can hear him loud and clear. And I eased off the gas real slow. Mm -hmm. And it was an animal crossing the road on the end of another hook. And I said, well, I guess that was my granddad. That's the
0: granddad was talking to you.
1: Exactly. So not funny, but that was, you know, grounding experience, I guess you can say.
0: And so, you know, you mentioned how you took your experiences in Mississippi and you turned that into your senior thesis. Tell us about your collegiate, you know, experience. Tell us where you went and Why that was your thesis, you know, tell us about college, collegiate Asia.
1: (laughs) Collegiate Asia. Well, collegiate Asia went to school in Vermont at Middlebury College. I originally chose Middlebury because it is known for environmental sustainability. And I was confident that that was my path freshman year. Mm. I took three courses. And quickly determined that that was not the path that I wanted to take. Not it. Not it. So then I was on a search for another major and chose economics. I almost finished my economics major. I was two classes from finishing and decided not it. But at that point, it was my junior year. And I applied to go to a domestic exchange program and chose Spelman College because I needed to get away from Middlebury, Vermont. I needed to connect with my folks and where else would I do it? Obviously, Spelman was the option or was what I wanted to do. So I did a year at Spelman and I danced, I connected with the dance program academically and also the dance theater there and did that as a part of my extracurricular where I met plenty of people and that's where you know you and I met Nate and after that obviously I knew I had taken so many dance classes that I was on track for a dance major accidentally so I became a dance major senior year And that is what led me to the connection with the land because of my love of environments, sustainability, both culturally and naturally, and then dance. The two just really was a natural progress.
0: So you transitioned from environmental science (laughs) type to economics to dance. Yep. And so... How do you use, cause you learn, you know, quite, quite a bit. You're two classes away from an econ degree. You, you took three classes in the environmental science space. Um, then you finished with dance. So how are you using those three, you know, I don't know, skill sets or just schools of thought into the work, you know, that you're doing today or what you want to do, you know, in the future. Cause I don't think knowledge is ever wasted think is this transformed uh, in a way in which we want it to be transformed into?
1: Well, that's a good question. I don't think it's wasted knowledge. Dance is or was at the time what grounded me. So I, I took a dance class every semester, if not one, definitely two, regardless of the major that I claimed to be at the time. And so arts still is, is just important to my appreciation, not that it's informing any of my current work. I'm a digital marketer by day. And eventually, like I said earlier, I want to produce evening length work. And so dance is going to come back up and the arts will come back up in my life and work. Environmental sustainability, you know, that phase is it's over,
0: but- You recycle, don't you?
1: Exactly, that's what I was gonna say. But I do want to be more sustainable in my personal life. And so I just moved and I had some garlic to go bad. And instead of throwing it away, because I don't have uh, any composting system, I am growing them. So they're sprouting right now on my windowsill. And eventually they take eight months to harvest. I will have, I don't know, sometime this summer to cook with and give away because they produce quite a bit. So eventually that's how sustainability will come back into my life. Little by little, I'll be a little more conscious. And then I guess economics just gave me the business mentality that I am currently using in marketing while not solely economics or financial. Marketing has a lot of numbers and obviously economics prepare me for that.
0: And so Yeah, let's 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 dive let's dive into the into the business side of things real quick. Just for a little bit. We don't got to go too deep into it. But, you know, um What is the biggest challenge that you're currently facing, you know, in your role in marketing and, you know, how are you tackling it?
1: I'd say my biggest challenge without speaking about the technical part of marketing because cookie list let me tell you everyone deciding that they don't want to give these businesses their personal information which i get it is going to be a challenge to the marketing space over the course of the next two years shout out to google and apple for removing those cookies from our phones (laughs) but without speaking about the technical part of things I think my biggest challenge is just constantly reinventing processes because we can get stuck in a mundane process of optimization and reassessing the product of it. But reinventing it in terms of deviating from the norm is where opportunities are invented right and so when you look at when you're looking at excel sheets and data over and over again it's easy to just do what you know that works because it's safe but then when you take a step back and and do something that is a little unconventional right it'll either work and create a new process or it'll fail and you'll say, I'm sorry, because I was taught to just take the risk and say, I'm sorry, because nine times out of 10, your risk is going to be more valuable than staying in the process. Mm -hmm. And so that in working with an international team creates its own set of difficulties. But that space, that space of, Allowing yourself to just deviate a little bit from the norm is where I challenge myself daily.
0: You know, one thing which I've picked up on in this brief conversation is you said the words reinvent, but then also risk. And so, you know, I applaud you for you know changing your major three times. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody knows me personally when I was at Morehouse, like you know I. Enjoyed computer science. I went to computer science because that's where the money resided. But there were times in which I wanted to pull away and to try something else, but I could not think of another major that, one, would be as lucrative at the time, but then, two, that I could really see myself really going all the way through. And so I know there are many, I don't want to say many, there are some people who are in, you know, similar shoes in which, you know, you were, you know, environmental sustainability, Eh. then econ, Eh. then finally landing on dance. And so how would, what would you say to someone who might be afraid of taking the risk and just further reinventing uh, themselves in order for them to see you know, the outcome of taking that risk into creating, you know, something new that will actually work and benefit their, you know, their day to day, their livelihood, their peace of mind. What would you say to them?
1: Change is scary. Yeah. And listening to everything I just said, you will probably think I'm not risk averse. I'm so risk averse because I don't like change and I am a person who doesn't like change, but believes that growth happens when you're uncomfortable. So then you just have to ask yourself, do you want to grow or do you want to be comfortable? Because oftentimes you can't have both. And there's seasons for both because both are important. So just know your season. Mm,
0: this is your season. Let me stop. <laughs> and so... So once someone has done that, you know, what would you tell them for when they are? Once someone has done that, what is something that you would tell someone who is starting off, you know, their career? You know, I've seen you go from Vermont to Atlanta to New York, now Chicago. So, you know, what's a piece of advice that you would give someone who's starting out this? What would, what would you tell them?
1: When you're first starting, you can't be comfortable. So take the risk because that's your base level, right? And that growth breeds difficulty. You may fail and failure is scary. Failure is scary. But to come to peace with the fact that your risk may result in a failure that peace is important. And so just know that in this season it's risky.
0: Mm. And so, you know, what, what are your hopes for what the future holds you for know, me? For you? Mm-hmm. Ooh.
1: I don't know.
0: That's that's acceptable. <laughs> you know, that's that's acceptable.
1: I don't know. I I definitely want to continue to challenge myself. I want to master what is digital marketing in a space where you can use data to make your decisions, but also eventually taking it a step further and using my current knowledge and day-to-day learnings in order to maximize small brands and that is such a cliche answer for anybody in the digital marketing sp- space but that is what I want to do because I work and I see so many small businesses of friends and family who just don't have the same exposure so they don't know how to use their clicks in order to make a click funnel or remarket someone that's been to their website the website is like, holy grail, like I made it. I got my website. I'm making my t- two to three time a week posts and have the digital marketing down packed. But then to take it a step further and like, who is your audience? Have you looked at your data? That, that's where I want to eventually be. But in order to be there, I have to master what I'm doing now.
0: Have to master what you're doing now. And so, I'm going to go back to what you start off by saying. So, remember how you said you're going to have a production. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were to write a book tomorrow, you know, what would it be about? Mind you, what would it be about if you were to write a book tomorrow? And then even thinking about what you just said... In the previous response, you know, what would be, what would be that book topic? What would what, what would it be about?
1: Undoubtedly, it would be about the land. It would be about the land. It would be about generations and stories of Black folks in the South and the migration of the family, whom, whom is my family, and how we were able to stay so connected into the land to the point where my thesis would be about it you know like my thesis could have been about anything it's dance not a lot of people told stories in a narrative form like that and so that story is definitely worth having in literacy in any other space
0: and so I'm always thinking about community and, you know, we should know the, the value of being connected to land, the value of the passing down of oral traditions and things like that. And so how is it that you would intend to use uh, this story about you and your family uh, as an effort? to inspire other families who are still connected to their land or even other families that are just connected in some way to be able to capture their story and to allow it to be not only just passed down but you know, how, how would you spark that inspiration you know, for others based upon your work that you will do? Here soon.
1: (laughs) Well, it's not a selfish effort. Mm -hmm. And I think I did a reasonable job at demonstrating that with the nine minutes that my theses were, was, I did interviews and during the production of the dance, you hear voices, my family, other folks from the same community, you hear these voices, and it's something about Southern pool with marriage. When you hear hear older man from Mississippi speak, it just feels so warm. Mm. And I think that is, that's the push. That you hear all of these stories intertwining with the common interest of both family and legacy. And also land because land ownership, like land runs out. We're going to get to a point where there's just no more land. Mm -hmm. And so that value to be able to like create an urgency for, for black people specifically to have a stake in what's available and the resources that the land produces. That's the inspiration and that's the community.
0: And so what's one thing you want to be remembered by?
1: I'm still working on my purpose, but I'm sure that once I find my purpose, I'll be remembered by what God had for me. That I don't know yet, but it'll be a vessel of something.
0: (laughs) Well, you've shared so much and uh, I think it's valuable for anyone Who's listening uh, to this podcast to be able to find you? And so, where can listeners find you online? They want to follow you and, you know, what is to come of this work. Where can listeners find you online?
1: You can find me on Facebook as Asia Funches.
0: All right. All right. Well, you know, thank you so much for joining us today on the Sea Brilliance Podcast. It was amazing to be able to capture your story today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's so fun to be a part of your friends and great nonprofit work.
0: Bless you, bless you, bless you.